invite you to turn in God's Word this morning to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 19 this morning, although our text is verses 18 and 19. For those of you who are visiting, we are in the midst of uh, a series of working through the book of Colossians. And uh, pray that uh, the Lord has appointed this time in each one of our lives to be here this morning for this word that he has for us. I'd invite you back this evening as we consider uh, Psalm 45, uh, which is uh, a follow-up to this. So one could say that's, that's part B or part two of uh, this morning's message as well. Colossians chapter 3, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Did you hear that in the song? That's why we sang before the throne of God above, that our life is hidden with Christ above. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, Humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanks, thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. And do not be harsh with them. As far the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for this portion of your word. We ask that you will be with Pastor Bob as he speaks on this word, that it may be to your honor and glory, and that we may take it to heart. This we ask in your name alone. Amen. Amen. So the instructions. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh 
with them. As we consider those commands that come to us from the Lord God, we consider them under these three points. First of all, the context of these instructions. Secondly, the instruction or an instruction to a Christian wife. And secondly, an instruction to a Christian husband. The context. Well, the lifestyle of Colossa is indeed not much different than the lifestyle of the Western world, indeed of our society and culture around the world today. Marriage was not valued. Marriage was seen more as a means of accommodation, as perhaps a way of getting ahead, uh, perhaps as a way of having basic needs met, but it was certainly anything but a loving relationship in the vast majority of cases. There was not fidelity, there was not faithfulness in terms of that marriage relationship, either by the husband or by the wife. Abuse was rampant in that society and culture. All that one thinks about when one thinks about the decadence of uh, the Greek and Roman cultures find themselves in the city of Colossae. And we have to remember that the people that Paul is addressing here in this book of Colossians live that way. That was their background. These are not second, third, fourth, fifth generation believers where you had first church and second church and third church and then you had peace and then you had redeemer and then you had faith church all there and and they've been there forever. Now these are first generation believers. Many of them, most of them, only by the time Paul writes this letter, two or three years. And they had been a part of that culture. They they had been a part of that background. They had bought into all of the pagan deities and all of the pagan lifestyle. But now, even as Paul begins this chapter and reminds them, but you've been raised with Christ, so now you need to seek the things that are above where Christ is. you've, You've got to turn away from this old lifestyle. You've got to turn away from this old thought pattern of life, this old way of conduct, this old way of speaking. And and you've got to live Christ. Live Christ daily. Live Christ every moment. And you've got to live for the glory of Christ. So when we come to these instructions in verses 18 and 19 in our English Bibles, We have to understand where they're placed in the book. Paul doesn't begin with this. Paul doesn't start with this. Paul has been building the the doctrine of salvation throughout this book. He has come to the place where he's, he's now dealing with sanctification. How do you live as a spirit filled believer? In the world in which you live. 
As a Christian, he is addressing these words. As those who have been converted to Christ. As those who are in Christ. How do you live Christian in the midst of the pagan society of the world? As I referenced a few moments ago, the situation today is not much different, is there? Marriage is not honored by many in our world and in our culture, even in so-called Christian marriages. These words are not upheld. These words, these instructions are not followed. Not only by wives, but also predominantly by husbands. The amount of abuse that takes place within the context of marriage today is alarming. It's staggering. And the statistics are not all that much different within the church. It is a sad, sad situation. And I do not mean in any respect by the next point to belittle the first. This first point needs to stand out in our minds. There are problems within the church. There are problems within Christian society. There are problems within Christian marriages. Because these two instructions are not followed. We think in some way we can live apart from God's truth at its most basic levels. And everything will be fine. But in the broader spectrum of life today, we are standing, brothers and sisters in Christ, at a, at a crossroads. I know we hear that. We hear that at election time, most important election. I think I've participated in, it, in every most important election in our lifetime. Because it, it, it just every four years, they throw it back to us again. But there is a broader thing at work here, is there not? I found out a couple of days ago uh, in talking to uh, one of our parishioners and following up on it that uh, one of the school districts in northern Michigan has hired a new superintendent. The superintendent sent out a letter to all of the students and all of the parents in that school district telling them that they should be joining Black Lives Matter. Now what business it is of a school and of a school superintendent to do such things is beyond me. But I would imagine that pressure is going to come. And your children are going to be under that pressure. Whether they're off at college or whether they're in our local high schools. 
regardless of the designation of that high school. You say, well, why are you making a point of that? Because my guess is, my guess is, my hunch is that the vast majority of people who wear a BLM shirt have no clue what BLM stands for. They understand it as, their understanding as, this is for social justice. Now, if that were what it was, that might be one thing to consider. But it isn't. It's a much larger statement of faith. It's a much larger statement of belief. Do you realize that every person who wears a BLM shirt or says they belong to this organization advocates the following? This is, this is from their website. I'm, I'm reading it verbatim. I'm not interjecting. I'm not commentating. I'm, I'm not taking some uh, conservative commentator and giving them their push. This is their statement. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirements by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. We foster a queer-affirming network. Let it sink in. We disrupt the Western-prescribed nuclear family structure requirement. Do you know what the nuclear family structure requirement is? A father, a mother, and children. And we don't believe that structure ought to exist. We think that structure ought to go out the door. We think that structure needs to be destroyed. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, Love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Let me read on from where I left off. That we care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. Who's missing? Who's missing? To the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. Who gets no mention? Father. gets no mention. Let's destroy the nuclear family. 
God's word comes to you and I this morning and says, no, no. That's a way of destroying your society. That's a way of destroying your culture. That's a way of destroying your families. That's a way of destroying your lives. Wives. Wives. Submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. How do you live as a Christian? How do you live in Christ? How do you live as a believer? How do you live clothed in the righteousness of Christ in the midst of our society and culture today? By God's truth. By God's word. Put on. So as anti-cultural as it is today, let's dive into what God's instructions to a Christian wife are. The instruction is simply this, right? According to Colossians 3.18, wives... Submit to your husbands. And once again, it's not just this passage. In a little bit, we're going to turn to, well, let's do so now. Go back to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We have almost identically the same wording in Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Or we could go to 1 Timothy. Got to go forward a ways. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Beginning at verse 8. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. So if you have questions about verse 15, I'd love to answer that one because it, that's one of the most misconstrued thoughts there is. So just if, if you have questions. But you hear the same word again, submissive. 
So it's not just Paul just addressing the church at Colossae. It's Paul addressing the church at Ephesus. It's Paul addressing Timothy, the, the young pastor, saying, hey, Timothy, wherever you go, whatever pastorates you may have, wherever you go forward, these are the things that need to be taught. This is ongoing. Now, what does that mean, though? What, what, what does it mean to submit? It means to follow the lead of. It doesn't mean to be a doormat. These texts, these verses in no way, shape, or form say anything about superiority of males and inferiority of females. It says nothing about intellect. It says nothing about Wisdom, it says nothing about spirituality. That is not what is at play here. That is not what is the focus. That is not what is going on. As Paul has already said in Galatians, in Christ, we are one. There is no distinction, right? We read that to, to a certain extent in this passage of Colossians 3. Of the fact that we, in Christ we are one. So it, it's not about that sort of stuff. People who want to go down that line are misreading Scripture. Because you have to apply the rest of Scripture to the text. He is simply saying that in the context of a marriage relationship, a wife is to have the responsibility of following the lead of her husband. The verb, tense, that is used here means to habitually follow, to continually follow, to place oneself under the authority of one. That's what happens in a Christian marriage. That's what happens at a wedding ceremony. A wife is taking on the responsibility that God is giving to her here in Colossians 3 that says, I am submitting to my husband. That is what is understood in a Christian marriage. I am to obey, says the Christian wife. I am to do that which my husband asks in following his lead. Hard words, difficult words in our society today. Made even more difficult, are they not? Made even more difficult by the fact that so few husbands love as Christ loved the church. But understand who Paul is addressing. Right? Understand, if, if you think this is tough today, think what it must have been like for the, these women of Colossae. He doesn't say wives submit only to a Christian husband. He doesn't know if all these women that are there as part of the church of Colossa 
have a Christian husband? How do I, as a Christian wife, live in the context of the age in which we live here in Colossal? My husband may be an unbeliever. He may be a pagan. Wives, submit to your husbands. There's no out. It's not like this word is some sort of coded. It's not like somehow this word can be washed down. It's not like somehow you can rinse this away. It's not like somehow, well, if we look at the real word here, we can go down this rabbit trail or that rabbit trail, and it really doesn't mean what it means. No, it means what it means. It says what it says. Put on Christ. How? In your marriage relationship, submit to your husband. Oh, but there is a condition, isn't there? As is fitting in the Lord. As is fitting. Submit to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Well, Paul, in one way, is putting a limitation on the submitting. He is saying, yes, you need to submit to your husband. Yes, you need to follow your lead, his lead. Yes, you need to be obedient. You, you need to place yourself under his authority. As is fitting. If your husband says, take a dagger and go kill your neighbor, that isn't fitting in the Lord. If your husband says, you know what? I think we ought to start experimenting in our relationships with other people. That isn't fitting in the Lord. If your husband says, here, sign this document. What is it? Well, it's our taxes. Well, I fudged some numbers, but sign it. As is fitting in the Lord. I don't think we need to be going to church anymore. As is fitting in the Lord. I think we need to put up some statues and start worshiping them in our backyard. As is fitting in the Lord. Right? He may be doing it because he might be a pagan. But you, as a wife, are not required to follow that. Why? Because it is not fitting in the Lord. If it is not that which is God-pleasing... If it is not that which is God-glorifying, if it is not that which is God-honoring, if it is not that which is God-obedient, as is fitting. So there is a limitation. This isn't a exclusive. I must at all costs. I must at every circumstance and situation. No as is fitting in the Lord. But also, there's not only a limitation in those words, there's, there's a big, big, big extent of that instruction. As is fitting. What does that mean? What do you mean by that, Pastor Bob? What I mean by that is this. A wife being submissive to her husband is that which is fitting to God's design. This is the way that God has designed it. 
This is the way that God has purposed it. This is the way that it has gone from the moment that God put Adam to sleep and took the rib from his side to make that help meet for him. This is God's purpose and design. This is not held in some sort of cultural context of 60 A.D. Colossa. This is what God intended from creation, and it is what God intends for all of eternity. Why? Can you say that, Pastor Bob? Because of Ephesians chapter 5, where we have the same words, but we are given the broader understanding as the church submits to Christ. My friends, there will never be a day when you and I as believers in Jesus Christ do not submit to Christ. When we get to heaven, it's not like we're Christ-free. We are Christ-bonded. We, we will fully understand in glory what it means that we as the church will submit to Christ. If you think this passage, if you want to argue that this passage is culturally conditioned to the time, and my friends, there is going to be a day that comes when the church will throw off Christ. And that just sounds ludicrous, doesn't it? That just sounds foolish. Why would the church throw off Christ? It can't throw off Christ. It is his body. How could the church sever its head? See, this, this picture that God is giving to us here in these verses of Colossians 3 is a picture of all eternity. It describes for us the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It describes for us the relationship of Christ and the church forever and ever and ever. And God says, in a microcosm, in a small way, I want your marriage, your marriage there in Colossa. I want your being a Christian wife to be an example, a picture of eternity. But there are also instructions, are there not, to a Christian husband. The instruction, as well, is pretty straightforward. Husbands, love your wife. It's interesting, Scripture never tells a husband, husband, rule over your wife. Scripture never tells a husband, husband, control your wife. The instruction that comes over and over and over again to the Christian husband is this. Love your wife. How? Ephesians 5. As Christ loved the church. Christ loved. As I've said before, what Christian wife would not submit to a Christian husband who is loving her 
as Christ loved the church. Self-sacrifice. Turn with me to, to a hymn. 300, number 338 in our Trinity hymnals. Isn't that a picture of Christ's love? And you want to see the effect of Christ's love? So you, you want to see a Christian husband's love? And you, and you want to see the effect of a Christian husband's love? Here it is, 338, when I survey the wondrous cross. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my riches gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God, all the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. See, there's the question. Christian husband, there's a question, Bob. Do your hands, do your feet show love? Did e'er such love and sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing. What love? Christ's love. Christ's love so amazing, so divine. What's its effect? It demands my soul, my life, my all. What's Paul's instruction? Husband, love your wife. Not those at the brothel. Not another man's wife. No, even more specifically, love her. Not just love only her, but love her. Love her with the love of Jesus Christ that emptied itself, that poured itself out. And how do we as the church respond to Christ's love? Here, here is my life, my soul, my all. How does the Christian wife respond to the Christian husband who loves her with the love of Christ? Here is my all. I place myself under your authority because I know the greatness and the extent of your love for me. But just as with the wife, there follows a further instruction. Love your wife and do not be harsh with them. Just think with me. Why, why do you think Paul adds that? Why do you think the Holy Spirit adds that? Why do you think God adds that phrase 
to that statement. Why is this husband, this Christian husband, this believing husband, given the additional responsibility of not being harsh? Because God knows our hearts, men. God knows our hearts. And God knows that a submissive wife is an easy target. I'm just being blunt. It's an easy target. It's an easy target for abuse. It's an easy target for being harsh. I demand you do that. After all, you must be submissive to me. The dutiful wife, the submissive wife, finding that what his demand is is not God dishonoring follows through. And he says, ah, this works. I'll increase the demands. I'll love her. Love her and do not be harsh with her. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 1, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry and the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman. Showing honor. To the woman as the weaker vessel. Why does he say weaker vessel? What does that mean? The weaker vessel there means as the one who is required to submit. As the one who is under your authority. Not weakness in mind, not weakness in body, not weakness in spirit and in soul. But weakness in the sense of this is the one who has to submit. For the one who has to submit, husband, live with her in an understanding way, showing honor to her. Don't take advantage. No abuse, no demanding, no demeaning. But you are called to love her as a fellow believer in Christ. You are called to be the leader. And to lead lovingly. I found out a piece of information this past week that I think clarifies a lot. I found out that our 
present serving governor, when she uses the expression, the best minds and the best science, is defined as follows. There's a small group of doctors at one of our state universities. We go, that's who you've been listening to? A small group of doctors at one place? It's not bigger than that. It's not broader than that. It's not wider than that. No. And what do we say about that kind of leadership? I'll leave that and let you fill in the blanks. All right? Men, what kind of leadership are you showing at home? And don't worry, guys. You know I've preached this enough, but it bears saying because of visitors. I'm right in this mix with you, okay? Just because the word pastor is in front of my name doesn't mean I've got this down to an art and a science. There is a reason we sang before the throne of God above. I need somebody there as a strong and urgent plea as well for my daily sin in this regard. I'm right there. But we are required to lead not just based upon our own opinion or our own thoughts. In many respects, our wives are probably smarter than we are. They're probably more spiritual than we are. But we are required to lead. Who are you getting advice from? The three people you see in the mirror every morning, you, yourself, and I? Or are you gathering, are you gathering the information from the one, the one that God has given to you to be your helpmeet? Are you gathering it from his word? Are you leading spiritually in your home? Are you leading lovingly in your home? Or are you harsh? See, that's the word we use for our governor. She's harsh. But is that what you are at home? Are you harsh? Or is the lead that you set a loving lead, a caring, a compassionate, an understanding, an accepting, understanding that this this wife that God has blessed you with is there for your good? Because of your weakness, because of your frailty. And you see, young people, if we as Christian men, as Christian husbands, struggle with this, if Christian wives struggle with this, then men, young men, how are you going to find that wife in the world? young lady, how are you going to find that man who 
who's going to love you like Christ if he doesn't even know Christ? How are you going to find the young woman who's going to submit like the church if they don't even go to church? If he doesn't know Christ, how's he going to love you like Christ? It's a struggle enough. It's hard enough. Don't think that when Paul wrote these words, that the wives of Colossus and husbands of Colossus went, Phew, wow, that's probably the easiest thing Paul ever told us. Wow. Oh, I think they're probably struggling it just like we do. Wow. This living Christian is deep. probably all bowing our heads going, wow, do I feel beat up today. I don't feel beat up. Lift up your head. Because there before the Father's throne is our great high priest who just pled for you. He just mediated for you. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Do not be harsh with her. Tonight, as I said, we follow that up. We follow it up with a, this beautiful Psalm 45, this picture. God's radiant bride, the church. To that end, let's pray for God's blessing. Father, thank you for your word, for its reminder to us today. And we pray, Lord, that as we live life from day to day, as husbands, as wives, as young people, Lord, that we will place these words before us. For those, Lord, who are here this morning, who have lost that soulmate, do not have that husband who do not have that wife any longer. Lord, there's no one to go home and say I'm sorry to. Lord, it's to you that we need to come first of all. And Lord, we pray that we might use our lives and our testimonies as a means of help, as a means of assisting, as a means of instructing others in the truth of your word. Comfort those who don't have that spouse to go home to right now. Bless those families, Lord, in those marriages where there is struggling. And we pray, Father, many thanks, many words and expressions of gratitude for the good, blessed, Christian, Christ-honoring marriages in this congregation that show forth Christ on a daily basis. In his name, God's people say, amen.